Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. If you have a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua and chapter 1. The book of Joshua, chapter 1 and verse 1. And our reading begins with these words. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Anybody happy about that? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. In the second verse, he said these words, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. When I was 19 years old, uh, I was just new in following Jesus and I had a radical encounter with God. Basically what I'm trying to say is that when I was 19 years old, God turned up in my life that was supernatural and undeniable. The event changed my life and it reached the point where I decided that I was gonna resign my job at the insurance company that I was working at. I'd been there for four years. I've been studying, believe it or not, insurance law. Now I'm offering people eternal life insurance. Uh, but those days it was about fire in general and I was studying insurance. I've been working in the area for four years, but I knew that God had a greater plan, a greater purpose for my life. And I resigned that job at the insurance company so that I could begin my journey of doing this. Well, that was great. From the moment that I resigned, I began to save money so that when I finished that job, I'd have something to keep me going. My first four years in full-time Christian work, I was what we like to call a faith worker or a voluntary worker. It basically means that I was running on the smell of an oily rag for four years. And so I needed to save as much money as I could. That was helpful. I saved a good amount. And then on the eve of my last day at work, God spoke into my heart and asked me to give all of that money away. I'm going to talk about it again tonight, and I want to encourage everybody in every campus tonight. We've got a fourth installment in this series, and I believe it's going to really change a lot of people's lives. But I, I gave that money away, which meant I only had about a week or two until my final day, no money, and a whole new journey ahead. Well, the day came where I finished my work on a Friday, and on the Saturday, I had to fly from Auckland to Christchurch to begin my study. I woke up on Saturday morning and the moment I woke up, a sense of fear and dread came over me. I wish I could tell you that I was excited, but I wasn't. I was so nervous. I was totally freaking out. I was thinking to myself, what have I done? What have I done? Why did I do this? This is the craziest thing a person could ever dream of doing in their life. What if I've missed it? What if I missed God? What if I just got a little bit excited and doubts and fears were going crazy in my mind and I got so nervous, I kid you not, that I began to vomit. 
I vomited at home. I vomited in the car on the way to Auckland Airport. I'll never forget walking into the old domestic terminal of Auckland Airport, literally with a bucket in my hand. They let me check in. I don't think they'd let you do that today. I got on the plane. I had sick bags. They put me on the back row. I was still vomiting. I got to the other end to Christchurch. They picked me up in a van. I just remember lying across the back of a van. Another thing you probably can't do today, but I was lying across the back of the van with a bucket again. I don't know where the bucket came from. It just, it's come up in my mind many times over the last 20 something years, but, but there was this bucket and I was again making that bucket my intimate friend. I'd stepped out on a new journey. I'd entered into a new day in my life. Yet what should have been a great day for me was a day of fear and trepidation. Yet I will never resent that day. I will always remember that day. From that day to this, my life has been totally different. Friends, I can't tell you how many changes have come into my world as a result of that one decision. Because on that day, that day of all days, I crossed a Jordan River. I was raised in a Christian family and my parents became Christians shortly before they got married and then along came us kids. And so I was born into one of those radical new Christian families, you know. My parents were happy, clappy Christians, like attend all the Bible studies, go to every prayer meeting kind of Christians. I grew up in sleeping bags at the back of church services. That, that was what my childhood was like. My parents were radical and crazy and I thank God for it. I'll never forget though at the age of 14 when I began to doubt Christian things and doubt God. And in fact, I wandered away from church at the age of 14 and stopped attending. That was the single worst decision I have ever made in my entire life. If you want your life to be blessed, if you want things in your world to continue to move forward, then make attending church a weekly habit in your life. It will bless you more than probably any other decision you could ever make. I wandered away from church. I didn't attend for four years. And then on my 18th birthday, I found myself back in a church service. I arrived in that church service. And even though everything about the meeting was strange and weird and people were singing songs and there was lots of enthusiasm, no preacher running a lap around the auditorium, but a, a lot of crazy going down. And in the middle of that environment, I realized that there was something real that, that, that was there. God was there. And I knew I had to do something about it. There was a line and I was on the wrong side of it. I knew I needed to open up my life. I knew I needed to, to consider this relationship, my relationship with God. I kept going back to that church one week, two weeks, three weeks. After attending that church for four weeks, I finally made a decision. This is it. This is my moment. I'm crossing the line. I'm going to step in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this God thing a go. And on that day, my friends, I made a decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ. It has marked my life more than any other decision I have ever made in my life. And on that day, I crossed a Jordan River. You know, we're reading from the book of Joshua this morning, and I want you to know that there is not a single other book in the Bible that has meant more to us in the journey of our church than this book of Joshua. In fact, if you're gonna pick five verses that have been more important in the journey of Arise Church from its infancy until now, when we are still just getting started in the journey that God's got for us, these five verses have mattered more to us than any other. As God speaks to Joshua, at the beginning of his leadership journey. 
And last week, we, we, we considered in the, our evening service the first seven words that God spoke from his heart into Joshua's when he said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And if you weren't in church last Sunday night somewhere, you need to get the podcast or download the recording because I believe that the greatest thing that probably somebody in this auditorium could ever know in your life is that your past is dead, that yesterday's problems are not tomorrow's destiny, that, that you might have gone through all kinds of rubbish or crazy or dysfunction or pain or sorrow or abuse, but what has happened to you does not define you. Moses is dead. Somebody shout, Moses is dead. The next two words that God said to Joshua was He said, now then, and that's two powerful words. God said, your past is gone, you are living in your now, and I have a promise for your tomorrow. The very next thing is what we want to talk about this morning as God spoke to Joshua and He said, get ready to cross the Jordan River. And I believe there are many people hearing this message today and the word that God wants to speak into your heart is get ready to cross the Jordan River. You've come to a point in your life, there's a moment that you have to cross over. God's got new things that are still ahead of you. Does anybody hearing this today believe that God's got greater things for you than what you've lived in so far? Does anybody believe that God is not sentencing you to your past or binding you to a futile existence? Does anybody believe that God's got something great ahead? I believe that there are many people hearing this message this morning who are at this point in their life, at the edge of beginning something new. People have walked into church this morning here in the Hutt Valley maybe for the first time. Maybe somewhere from Whangarei to Dunedin or some nation in the world with us online today. And you've come to this meeting, come to the service, not realizing that God wants you to know that you've come to a moment in your life, not just to a church service, but to a moment where God is literally saying to you, I've got more for you. But if you're gonna step into what I've got for you in the days that are to come, Get ready to cross the Jordan River. I believe there are many people who need to know that God wants you to get ready to cross the Jordan River. No matter where you're hearing this message, could you whack three or four people around you and just tell them, get ready to cross the Jordan River. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. Tell them, get ready to cross the Jordan River. Now, we alluded to this last week, but I want to set this up correctly for everyone to understand. 700 years prior to this verse of Scripture being written, God spoke to a man by the name of Abraham and told him to leave his father's house, leave everything that was familiar, and go to the land to which God would show him. Abraham, the Bible just succinctly says, obeyed and went. He obeyed and went. I reckon a lot of people could change their lives today if you would just understand that when God speaks to you, He intends for you to obey Him. And that you could literally become a world changer like Abraham was if when God speaks to us, we would simply be willing to obey and to go. Somebody say amen. The Bible tells us Abraham obeyed and Abraham went. Abraham eventually found himself in the land that is on the other side of, the, Canaan, of the, the Jordan River, the land of Canaan. There, Abraham dwelt for the rest of his days on this planet. And the reason why he was there was to comprehend internally this dream that God had for a future people that would come from this man, Abraham. 
It's amazing to note about Abraham that his contribution to God's eternal plan is only two things. One child called Isaac and the comprehension of the dream that God had for him. And I want you to know, my friend, that you should never minimize in your life the importance of comprehending that which God has for you. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul spoke about his life, this man who literally wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this man who achieved so much for God with his life. And he said, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said, I press on to take hold that for which Christ Jesus took hold. Now you can miss it in the English that the word take hold or took hold is actually a Greek word that means to comprehend. But Paul is literally saying, God has comprehended me. I want you to know that God has a reason why you're alive. He has already written every day of your life in His book. There is a reason why you are here. If you believe it, shout amen. Does anybody believe God knows you? God comprehended you, God comprehended me. And the Apostle Paul said, my number one goal is I want to comprehend that for which I have been comprehended. I wanna know the reason why I am alive. And somebody in this room needs to start doing what Abraham did. Start wandering around in the hall of your dreams. Start to know more intimately what God has got for you. Abraham passed and Isaac took his place. Isaac was left by Abraham. No land, no real estate, no wealth, no family inheritance other than the promise of God alive in his heart. Some parent listening to this message today needs to know that the most important inheritance you leave to the generation that follows after you is not the level of your bank account or the number of houses you do or do not own, but the promise of God invested in your children's lives is the most powerful legacy a parent can ever leave. And if you believe it, give me a loud amen right now. We've got Abraham, we've got Isaac, and then after Isaac came Jacob, whom God changed his name to Israel. And Jacob had 12 children. One of them was Joseph, and because of Joseph, the family tribe of Israel went down to the land of Egypt. They dwelt there as slaves for 400 years, and we talked about it last week, but they multiplied and grew until they were no longer a family tribe, but now a nation of people. Enter Moses. Along comes Moses and declares to Pharaoh, let my people go. God works great miracles and the nation of Israel comes up out of Egypt and crosses the Red Sea into the wilderness. They spend one year in the wilderness and during this time, God is busy. He gives them the Ten Commandments, the tabernacle, the Levitical priesthood. He gives them national laws. He consecrates their worship. He gives them medicinal guidelines, economic guidelines. He orchestrates their society, structures them around the house of God. And one year later, they reach the banks of the Jordan River. 12 spies are sent across that Jordan with the goal that they would survey the land on the other side and that they would bring back a report. They were there in that promised land, the promised land, the promised land for 40 days. And at the end, they brought back their report. We talked about it last week, how the words of the 10 caused the hearts of the Israelites to melt with fear. And at the edge of entering their promised land, they balked, they failed. They were overwhelmed by fear and discouragement and they failed to enter the land that God had for them. 
I want you to know that the Bible is clear that God brought them to that moment in time, bringing to fulfillment what He began 700 years prior. 2 Corinthians tells us that the reason why this story is written down is for you and me as an example for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Not just God working for 700 years, but for 7,000 years and more. God wrote the story for you and I to know that there come moments in our lives when we reach the edge of the Jordan River. The Bible tells us that because of the faithless testimony of the 10, that Israel was sentenced to 40 years of wilderness wanderings, one day, one year, for every day that they were in that promised land. For 40 years, they dwelt in an arid wilderness that was supposed to be only a moment of transition. How long have you lived? How long have you lived in a place of transition that was never intended to be your home? How long have you nursed that hurt, rehearsed that pain, lived with that disappointment, neglected your future to the tragedy of what someone stole from you? How long have you allowed yourself to camp in an arid wilderness when God clearly has something more for you in your life? A great tragedy took place over the next 40 years. Customs was established. Birthdays and landmarks were celebrated. Rituals crept into their way of life. They became accustomed to the wilderness, acclimatized to it. They learned to get by. They adjusted to life in the wilderness. You can't dwell 40 years anywhere without getting a sense of acclimatization. 40 years in the wilderness caused a great tragedy to take place. For Israel, they made the wilderness their home. For 40 years they dwelt there. 40 years they got to see the land on the other side. And God brings them to a moment of time when Joshua is now given the baton of leadership and he looks at the land on the other side and his instruction is clear. And my friends, it's an instruction for you and for me this very day. I want you to leave the wilderness. I want you to leave behind where you are. I want you to no longer hang out in this bitter and harsh place. I want you to step beyond your disappointment into your promise. I want you to leave behind your pain and I want you to cling to what God can do tomorrow. I want you to decide that I will no longer dwell in the safety and security of where I currently am, but I will choose instead to step over and to go somewhere that promises me something greater for me and for my children. I want to cross the Jordan River. Friend, I want you to get it clear with me today that the wilderness is not your home. I don't know what you've been through in your life, what you've had to adjust to or get by with, but I want you to know that if God is in your heart, that the wilderness is not your home. Dysfunction is not your home. A mess is not your home. Failure is not your home. Disappointment is not your home. Sickness is not your home. If you believe it, make a little bit more noise today. The home God has for you and me is a home in His promises. For 40 years, they kept coming back to that Jordan. For 40 years, they knew they could never go beyond it. For 40 years, they lived on one side, seeing what was on the other side. We talk about that, don't we? People who live on the other side. Life's different where I am, but people have a different life on the other side. 
As the years went by, so the size of that river grew. And after 40 years, it became for them a line in the sand, a point in their lives, a place to which they could go but never go past. And really, I think one of the messages God's asked me to share with my life is that everybody has that point in their lives. Everybody here in this message today has a wilderness and everybody has a promised land. In the wilderness in our lives, we are tent dwellers, but God wants to make us nation builders. You might have had a wilderness in your life that's been barren, but God wants you to be fruitful. You might have had a point in your life when you've been dependent upon God for everything and even celebrated your daily dependence upon God, but God doesn't want you living with daily manna being a requirement for your daily sustenance. God wants you to be able to sow and to reap and to prosper and to lay up so that you can not only be blessed, but be a blessing to those who are around you. God wants to take us from the wilderness of dependency to the promised land of being entrusted. And the greatest challenge for every single one of us is when the wilderness becomes our home and the promises of God a foreign country. All of us have in our lives a current reality that is small and a future potential that is big. All of us have in our lives a place that is familiar and a promise of the future. All of us have a place that we are from and a place where we are going. And between us and our dreams, between the present and the future, between the wilderness and the promised land, for every single one of us, there comes a Jordan River. Everybody has a Jordan River, a place to which they have been but never beyond, a crossing point when we must decide to leave the old and to enter the new, a line that we have to cross. In the wilderness, it's life as usual. In the promised land, life will never be the same again. And I don't know about you, but even hearing those words out loud, life will never be the same again. It inspires excitement and dread, doesn't it? It, it awakens optimism and also causes us to be in fear and trepidation. And there come to us moments in our lives when we have to decide to leave behind where we have been and to step into what God's got for us. Moments, my friends, where we must decide to cross the Jordan River. Israel has been wearing well-worn tracks in the wilderness for the last 40 years. And I believe there are many people here in this message today who've been wearing well-worn ruts in the couches of their lounges for many years. And God speaks to us. He calls to us. God says to His people, don't live in that wilderness a moment longer. Don't allow your life to be defined by your present location. Don't make a tent your dwelling. Make the promises of God your home. God is saying to you and me, get ready to cross the Jordan River. I'm telling you, we've just opened this building, this Arise Center, moved into here with our offices. We now launched our seventh physical location for our church family nationally. The number seven is the beginning of a new week. And I believe that this is the beginning of a new season, a new season for Arise, a new season for you, a new season for me. This is a moment when we're not just opening a building or launching a campus, but as a church, we're stepping into something new. A vision that God has for our church is about to become so much closer to a point of reality that we could truly be not just tent builders, tent dwellers, but nation builders. That we could see Aotearoa in New Zealand full of the love of Jesus and people whose lives are whole and healed. 
that we could see every child with a breakfast plate and every family with a united marriage, that we could see addiction rates drop and national increase of health and prosperity grow. I believe God's got a promise for our land, for our people, for you and for me. Does anybody believe that today? I think I'm preaching a little better than you're responding. God speaks to us and He says, get ready to cross the Jordan River. He said, guys, Moses is dead. You're past sentence. You're, you're waiting out some tragic mistake in your life. Those days are over. If Jesus is in your life, your sin is forgiven and your past is removed. God's not thinking about your past. He's forgotten yesterday's failures and sins. He's saying to you and me, would you stop thinking about what I've forgotten about? Have you ever thought about that? When we start to think about our sin or rehearse our failure, we're thinking about thoughts that God has already forgotten about. Jeremiah 29, 11, the Bible says, I know the plans I have. I know the thoughts that I think and they are thoughts to prosper you, thoughts to, to bless you, thoughts to give you a hope and a future. God's not thinking about your yesterday. How about we stop thinking about it as well? He said, Moses is dead, now then. It's not a moment of our yesterday, it's a moment of tomorrow. I'm sorry, I'm preaching myself excited and I'm unapologetic about it. He's saying, get ready to cross the Jordan River. Cross that line, make that decision, leave the past behind, follow God's call, break free from what you've known. Say goodbye to those losers. Don't be bound by yesterday's mistakes. It's time to get a new circle of friends, time to break that line, time to start a new habit, time to get out of that rut, time to break free from what's bound you. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. You are not an impotent, you're not a, a weakling, you're not a nobody. You are a somebody that God has favoured. You are not unable. God has made you able to do something great with your life. God's filled your heart with dreams, not to taunt you, but to motivate you. God's given you a sense of identity and uniqueness and purpose the moment that you started following Him. And it's not to awaken feelings of futility or midlife disappointment, but so that you and I can know in every day of our lives that God's got something greater, that better things are still ahead, that your life is gonna continue to increase and abound. And God says to you and He says to me, don't live in a rut, don't camp in the wilderness. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. If you're ready to cross, lift your voice and give God some praise in every campus. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. Get ready to cross the Jordan River. Oh man, there are three things you and I need to know about the Jordan River. And the first one is that the Jordan River is a paradigm of expectation. You know, the great problem with living in the same environment up for a while is you start to get used to what that environment is gonna produce for you in your life. Ever found that? I mean, you can have a couple who got married believing that they'd have a great marriage and a blessed future. Then they start to fight. And the next week later, they have another fight. The next year later, they're still fighting. And now whenever either one of them fires up, the other one gets to the table quick as they can and starts a fight before the other one gets to throw the first verbal assault. And the reason why is because of a paradigm of expectation. And God says, how about you leave behind one paradigm to get a new one? How about you stop thinking that the fight is gonna hurt you and instead start to believe that the forgiveness is gonna heal you? How about you stop being bound by dysfunction and start to step into some true function? How about we don't live broken, but we start to get healed? God's got a promise for you and me for a greater tomorrow. And He says, if we're gonna walk into that greater tomorrow, we need a new paradigm of expectation. 
You know, when you've been living in the wilderness for too long, you start to expect too little from God. And friends, I'm grateful for everything God gives me. I daily wake out of bed and immediately begin to thank God that I'm alive. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't deserve a relationship with God. I get to breathe in and out. I mean, that's just the beginning of my blessings. I could go on and on. Look at you. I get to speak to you today. I'm the most blessed man that I know. And you're the most blessed woman and the most blessed man you know. But friends, we can't just give God praise that He gives us daily bread and stop asking Him to do more in our lives. Turn it into this. God, if you brought me this far, then you've got more in store. If you've healed me, then I want you to heal somebody else. If I've got bread, I want every child in my city to have bread. If I've come this far in my journey, then I believe you can take me all the way. The Bible does not say that God can do in your life what He's already done. The Bible says that God is able to do Ephesians 3.20 immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or think or imagine. Anybody ever imagine something great? Well, God can do more than that. And if you believe it, shout amen. amen. And he said, get a new paradigm of expectation. Number two, I've got to move quick. A Jordan River is a stronghold of thinking. It's a stronghold. The Bible tells us that we're fighting a fight and that the principal place that we fight against the devil who hates you and wants to destroy you is the, in the arena of the thoughts of your mind. There's no other way to slice the Bible than to read it that way. 2 Corinthians 10 says that though we live in this world, we do not wage war as this world does. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We take captive every argument, every pretension, and we make every thought captive to Christ. Because a thought that becomes disobedient to the will of God, what is the will of God? God loves you. You've got a great future. You can overcome. Doesn't matter what you're going through. It's, it's something you're going through, but God's walking with you through it and He's going to bring you out the other side. The moment that thought gets disobedient to God, the moment it starts to say, this is who you are, that failure is your destiny, that, that pain is your lot in life, that hurt and sorrow you've gone through in your world is what you have for the rest of your life ahead of you. The moment the thought becomes disobedient to Christ, it leads to a pretension. A pretension is simply an assumption, and everybody in this room has them. Things you live with in your life that are counter to the truth of God's Word that you've allowed to fester in the way that you think about yourself, the way you view yourself in a world that is around you, I have them and so do you. And our pretensions, our assumptions lead to arguments. I had a rich Christian friend uh, when I was living in Auckland he bought a Rolls Royce. He said, John, I, walked down, I drove it down the street. I've given away hundreds of thousands of dollars. This, this man sponsors more children in developing nations than the New Zealand government, gives more than anybody else in our country. And he said, John, I drove it down the street. I parked on the side of the road. Someone took a coin and they scratched the side of my car. They were angered by someone so blessed. Let me ask you this question. Wrong or right? argument or truth. And when you will defend something based on a fallacy, your life is in great danger because arguments become strongholds and penetrable fortresses of the mind. And some people have lived so long in a prison cell that they have built in the own construct of their minds. They don't believe they can do more, don't believe they could have more. 
And God's word to you and his word to me in those moments is friends, cross the Jordan. Tear down those lies. Break out of that prison cell. Think a new thought. Disagree with your own pain. I mean, we just built this amazing building. I mean, I'm, I'm putting words out there saying we're going to raise money. We're going to do it. We're going to fill it. And even as I'm doing it, the devil's saying, you're not going to raise the money. You're not going to fill it. This is bad. Everything is that. These thoughts come up. These deceptions enter your mind. And I've just decided the devil can throw what he wants at my mind. But I know the truth of the Word of God. The devil is a liar and God is alive. And if you believe it, can you give God some praise in this building this morning? Come on, give God some praise in this building. In every location, lift your voice and declare, I'm crossing the Jordan River. Come on, stand to your feet in every location. The band is coming up on stage. I'm so grateful that our Saviour Jesus, He lived for 30 years. Did you know that? 33 years Jesus was on this planet. And for 30 of those years, Liam, He lived as a carpenter. 30 years in one place. That says to me that whether you're 30, 40, 70 or 80, you can step into a new day. At the age of 30, Jesus went out into the wilderness where He was baptised by John the Baptist, descended into the waters of baptism. A carpenter rose from the waters, the Messiah. The body of water in which Jesus was baptised that day the Jordan River. Where did the Holy Spirit fall on Jesus? In the Jordan River. You'll find the tingle you've been searching for. You'll get the applause of heaven you've been yearning for when you just step into the waters of the Jordan. Leave that life behind. Let's go somewhere new. to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.